Hi, my name is Sydney Mitchell. Hi, I'm Matthew Brickman, Florida Supreme Court mediator. Welcome to the Mediate This podcast, where we discuss everything mediation and conflict resolution. So now we get to your question that you had in the previous episode about what is arrearage and how do we, how, how do we deal with that? So going back to um, the example that I gave you for my, my ex-wife, where she had $33,000 in arrearages, right? So how that's done, it's, it's, and, and so we have to name it in here. Um, what it is. Is it retroactive child support or is it previously ordered unpaid child support? So, so mine would have been previously ordered because child support was already established Mm -hmm. as previously ordered. Um, Retroactive is different. So we put in, okay, how much is it? So for example, and I'll give you an example. When we first started, like I said, I think it was like $500 a month um, when she was first delinquent. Once it gets, you know, and, and of course you're like 33,000 who's, you know, if she didn't have $500 a month, how does she have 33,000 to then pay for retroactive child support? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just logically like, how do you do that? So we talk about, you know, how much it is. And sometimes we have to calculate it. Sometimes the parties come in with a printout from the department of revenue or the clerk of court that actually states it because they've been paying or DOR department of revenue has already been on the case and mm-hmm. already has established the child support. Now we're updating or modifying it. Yeah. Well, that's another great way that parties can prepare coming with all the documents. Yeah, so we might have that already, um, mm-hmm. but sometimes we have to calculate it. Um, and I'll come back to the example with my ex, but I'll, I'll give you another example I had recently uh, in a mediation where um, the parties were separated for six months, right? Then, then there was the data filing. Now they're in mediation with me. So what we had to do, and, and, and during that six month period, the mom just disappeared. Dad had the child, mom absolutely just totally disappeared off the planet. Nobody knew where she was, wasn't exercising time sharing, nothing. Now she's back asking for 50-50, um, finally get around to getting all the parameters for the parenting plan for that to happen. But she has a child support obligation. Usually it's in, in, a, in a divorce, it's to, um, generally it's to the date of filing. Um, but, you know, in a paternity, it can go two years prior to the date of filing, but not if the parties were living together and sort of acting as a family, because of course, whoever's paying child support was obviously supporting the child and taking care of the child, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what we did was we had to say, okay, when you were gone for those six months, this is what the child support, you know, if, if you guys had filed then, this is what the child support was due and owing. Then you guys filed, you, you know, now, now you had some time sharing, maybe it was a 60, 40, and now we're going to 50, 50. So we would run what happened in those, in those first number of months with no overnights. Then we would run a new number from the time that she showed up until now to figure out what the child support should have been with the overnights. And then we run a prospective child support about what's it going to be if you're going to do 50-50. Mm-hmm. That's how then we create 
the retroactive child support or previously ordered unpaid child support to figure out the arrearage, which is that word you, you asked about, you know, what does an arrearage mean? We would figure that out. Now, how do you pay this back? So we then say, okay, the total in child support arrearage shall be repaid at the rate of either weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, semi-monthly, um, or monthly, you know, however. And so generally, generally what happens is this is, um, the courts generally do either 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, or 30. I mean, it's a pretty big range, right? But but I've seen, what I have seen through the years of, you know, the, over a decade I've been doing this, is generally it's about 10 to 15%, okay, of the prospective child support. So what that means is this. Let's, let's go back to what my ex owed. So my ex owed $33,000, okay? There's no way that my ex has $33,000 sitting around. If she did, she wouldn't have an arrearage. She would have paid, Right. So she's got 33,000. Now her child support obligation is $500 a month. So let's just say that on the low end, 15% of 500 is $75, right? So that means that for $33,000, she would owe her $500 child support and she's gonna pay back the 33,000 at the rate of $75 a month. That'll take forever, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm sitting here doing the math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now, sometimes what we'll do is let's say, for example, that it's five hundred dollars a month, and let's say that she, let's say that she had a year of paying still the five hundred dollars a month, and let's say that she started to pay the five hundred dollars a month, and she started to pay the seventy five dollars a month in arrearages, right? Well, then she's paying $575 for 12 months. But then when my son emancipates, and then the child support would then technically disappear. No, she would continue to pay the $575, but now all of that goes towards paying off that $33,000 rearage. Right. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Now, this is optional. Um, so, you know, if it's going through the Department of Revenue, it's not optional. It depends on how they're paying child support. Depends if we include statutory interest on the arrearages. If it's going through the state, you, it, there, there's interest on it. Absolutely. Um, if they're paying direct, it's then it's it's way too complicated to try to figure out what is compound statutory interest on monies that are sitting there, right? The state can figure out, no, they may even have a calculator to figure out what's built into their program for child support. Um, but that's optional. And then we, we do note this amount is in addition to the ongoing child support as set forth in the agreement. So you got your child support. So just to wrap up child support, and then we're going to finish up with how do you pay child support. So child support, you've got your baseline child support. And then in addition to that, there's daycare, aftercare, and summer care. Mm -hmm. There is the beginning of the year school uniforms and school supplies, the mutually agreed upon extracurricular activities, uniforms, and equipment, any reasonable or necessary uninsured, unreimbursed, and you got all your medical stuff. And all of that then talks about, okay, here is your child support, right? So then how do you pay child support? So there's three different ways to do it. 
Um, the first way is what they call an IWO. Some jurisdictions call it an IDO. And that stands for, IWO stands for income withholding order. IDO stands for income deduction order. What that means is once we figure out what the base child support and if there's arrearages, what that number is, then the attorneys will fill out the form for the IWO or the IDO, and that gets submitted to the payor, whether that's the husband or the wife or the mother or the father, whoever's paying child support, that gets submitted to their employer. And then it's automatically deducted from their paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out of their paycheck, it gets processed through the Department of Revenue, and then, then the Department of Revenue then will then give it to the receiver, okay? Um, so the problem with that is if you are self-employed, you can't do an IWO or an IDO because what are you going to do? You're going to do it on yourself now, right? So that's fine if you're not self-employed. If you are self-employed, then that doesn't work. The other problem with that is there are delays because, you know, if, if dad was paying mom direct, he'd get his pay, he'd pay her, and she'd have the money. But being that it's being processed through the state, it's got to go through the payroll. Then it's got to be sent to Tallahassee in Florida. It's got to be sent to Tallahassee. And then guess what? With all the people, hundreds of thousands or millions of people paying child support, all into one central depository, you know that the state is gonna hold that money and collect the compound interest on all those dollars as long as they are legally allowed to, right? So dad could pay, and I ran into this many a times where my ex would pay at time, you know, when, when she was paying some, she would pay and I'd be like, I don't have it, I still don't have it, I still don't have it. She's like, well, I, I, I paid it. And I would log onto my account and I'd say, yeah, she actually did. And they're just sitting on it. And I'm like, where's my money? Yeah, I'm raising these kids. I need this money, right? And so, th and and then they would release it. And again, you know, it's 2021. Uh, my kids are emancipated. But when I when when I at the time when I did it, and what I have heard from people now is is most everything these days is electronic. So that does help speed things up a little bit. Whereas it wasn't when I was uh, going through this. But even with with okay, how does mom get it? So how I used to get, I used to get a check in the mail. So Tallahassee would get it. They'd sit on as long as they could. Then they'd cut a check, put it in the mail, and eventually I'd get it. Then they came out with, when, once my kids were like teenagers, they had a child support credit card or debit card, sorry, debit card, where they would just transfer to the debit card. I'd get an email saying, okay, it's been replenished. You've got $500 sitting here, right? Mm -hmm. um, which was really nice. They will also do direct deposit, which is good too. You don't have to deal with the debit card. It just gets directly deposited into your bank account. Um, so that definitely does help. But here's the other problem. There is a processing fee every time that they do these transactions. It's either uh, $5.25 or 4.25% or something. And, um, and, so, and, and, and whoever's paying child support has to pay that fee. So let's say, for example, that my ex was paying me $500 a month, and this actually happened. She would pay me $500, but I wouldn't get $500. They, they would deduct the $5.25 processing fee. Well, I'm not supposed to pay the processing fee. She's supposed to be the one doing that. So guess what? We had compound arrearages for processing fees. 
Oh no. Oh yeah. It creates just a whole oh, nother no. a whole nother issue. And so she's like, no, I've been on, I've been paying my child support in full. Yeah, you paid the child support, but not the processing fee. You owe now another three hundred dollars in compound processing fees. Yeah, because you said it paid five hundred and five dollars. Correct. Correct. And so then, yeah, so you know, I mean, again, Sydney, you know, as a mediator, my job is to try to help these people get out of the judicial system, guide them through this process, and help them not set them up for more problems, right? Right. So that leads us into the second way of doing this. The second way of doing this is the payer doesn't do the, so they don't do the IWO or the IDO. But let's say again, um, and, and in a situation where dad would then get his money, he, he would get his paycheck. It doesn't come out of his paycheck. And then he would simply log on and do a transfer to Department of Revenue, still going through the state, still processing, still having to pay a processing fee, but it's not automatically coming out of his check. Because look, some people, they just don't want the stigma. I don't, and I don't know why there's still a stigma. I mean, good golly, it's been decades we've been doing timesharing and 70% of the kids are on timesharing plans anyways. What stigma are you afraid of? But people have their issues and their pride issues and whatnot. And so ooh, I don't want this to be a line item on my paycheck. I'll just pay direct, fine. So he'll just log onto the account, pay direct, still has to pay the processing fee, still has the delay. Mom still finally gets her money. Mm -hmm. But at least they're not doing their own accounting and clogging up the court going, you didn't pay me the processing fee and I got statutory interest, and, mm -hmm. and which is just a nightmare. The court doesn't want that at all. And look, you and me as taxpayers who are funding the court, you know, we have to pay for the judges and the bailiffs and the lights and all that. I don't want my tax dollars to be wasted on stupid stuff like that that could actually be taken care of by the parties paying their own way and creating an agreement that keeps them out of court. That's my idea, right? No, it makes total sense. I'm on board with you on that one. All right. So that leads us to the third way to do it. <clears throat> Child support payments shall be paid directly from the father to the mother via bank to bank transfer. What we do is we cut out the processing fee, the, the delays, all of that. We get the parties, you know, mom or dad, whoever's receiving the child support gets their money faster mm -hmm. and whoever's paying it doesn't have to pay the processing fees or get the phone calls going. Did you pay your child support? I still don't have it. Yeah, I paid it last week. Well, I don't have it. You know, the, you know, the harassing phone calls, where's my money, right? Now, with the creation of things like Zelle, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, um, even Apple has, you know, in their wallet, they've got their family and friends. I mean, there's so many different ways to electronically just transfer people money these days. As long as it is an electronic transfer, great. No check, definitely no cash, um, no money orders. As long as there is a electronic paper trail where you can print out the receipt and show payment or receipt of it, great. That's how the court will be like, okay, fine. But we have to have a trigger mechanism in here that says if so, you know, if under the scenario of like if dad owes mom, if the father is more than five days delinquent. Now, this is a variable that's changed. Some people say, eh, 30 days. Some people say, five, most people say five days. Some people say 14 days. 
But generally, you don't want this thing to be a runaway train where like mine, where it started at 500 and ended at 33, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want $500 and then $33,000. So if the father is more than five days delinquent and paying his support obligations, so we let everybody take control of their life, you know, be people of integrity, do what they say they're going to do. We give them the opportunity to keep the court out of their life. But if more than five days delinquent, at the mother's discretion. Now the parties might be talking. She may know that, hey, look, he, you know, he didn't make as much. He was out sick. He had coronavirus, didn't work for 14 days, his paycheck is low, whatever. May give him a this time only, fine. So, so at the mother's discretion or the father's discretion, whoever is receiving child support, she will have the right to have the entry of an IWO or income deduction order. And if the mother should desire to have that entry, then we put in here that it's already done. The father shall not object to the entry of the order. So he can't uh, refute it. Right. Because what was happening prior to having this language in there, Sydney, was, you know, she'd be like, I want an IW. He's like, well, I don't agree to it. Well, then now they're having a hearing, which is costing the taxpayers. It's just a mess, right? So yeah. we, we are proactive preventative maintenance. So the father shall not object to the entry of the order and shall be 100% responsible for all associated costs for the creation and entry of the order. Because they're, the only way to get an IDO or IWO, I can't even do it. I don't even know how to do them. I mean, an attorney has to do them. That means you have to hire an attorney to do it. Well, look, if the parties are going to do it on their own, but whoever is paying is delinquent, well, then they know, look, fine, now it has to come out through my paycheck. And I'm going to have to pay to have an attorney do it. You know what? You'll think twice before missing a payment. You know, the, there has to be some sort of consequence or repercussion. There. Right. So, so those are the three different ways to then do child support. Now, I can see you look sort of a blank stare. Okay. I know I'm that. processing. It's, no, no, it's no, so I much know. information. No, no, no. I know. So I'm going to throw in one other scenario because we get this. What if the parties say, fine, we agree to electronic transfer and they agree, okay, fine, we have the right to the IW or IDO and what if dad is self-employed? Well, then you're never going to get an IDO or IWO, right? True, true. So then we have to change it to say, okay, then at that point, he has to pay it through Tallahassee, which means DOR is now going to get involved and he's going to have to pay the processing. Yeah, it through. certainly complicates the process. She doesn't get the money as fast. Yeah. Now, now, let me just touch on this. Pros and cons of having DOR involved in your life, okay? So DOR stands for the Department of Revenue. So let's start with reasons why DOR would be good. DOR is good because you don't have to think about it. You don't have to do anything. You just have to sit back and wait. Okay, great. You know, the path of least resistance, not a problem. Also, in the event that arrearages get out of control, Department of Revenue has power for recouping the money. So, for example, when you hear like, oh, they suspended his driver's license, that was not the court. That was Department of Revenue. Oh, they intercepted a tax return. That's Department of Revenue. Oh, they levied property. So for example, let's say for example that my ex-wife owned a car 
and she didn't pay her child support. Well, she didn't, which is why I didn't get it, but she never owned anything. Um, or she owned it and somebody else was on it or somebody else bought it for her and was just letting her use it like her mom. Um, but if she had actually like owned a car, DOR could go take the car, we could take it to auction, sell it, and recoup the money. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you've got a home, you can get a lien placed on a home so that when you finally sell the home, the bank gets their money and then you get your money before then they get the net proceeds. So there's power having mm -hmm. DOR. Here's the other thing that a lot of people don't understand or know. If DOR is involved and you need enforcement of child support, call a DOR attorney. Generally, they're free. You're not having to hire an attorney to chase child support. I didn't know that. So I spent $20,000 chasing $33,000. How did I do? <laughs> right? So there are some pluses having DOR involved, right? So let's talk about the downside to DOR. So the downside to DOR is, okay, there's a delay in getting your payment. And, you know, things are still caught up in the judicial system. And there's the processing fees. And once DOR is involved, depending on the jurisdiction, I'll give you an example, between Palm Beach County and Broward County. Palm Beach County, if I get a mediation where DOR is already involved, we have the power and authority in this jurisdiction to modify the child support. And DOR will just sign off on it. They don't have to be a party to the action. They don't, they, they are like, fine, mediator, you're going to take care of it. We'll sign off on it, right? When I go down to Broward County, though, it's different. We can't touch child support. If DOR is involved, we can't touch it. Only they can touch it. Well, for the parties, that adds frustration, more money, delays, yeah. um, and whatnot. So, you know, they're, you know, it, they've, they've got their place. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say, for example, that you have somebody that just refuses to pay and you, you see it that you're always going to be back in, back in court because you just can't seem like they just are not trustworthy. They're not honorable. They're not doing the right thing. They're not paying their support or anything. Well, then you know what? Yeah, you'll probably just want to have DOR you know, and, and suck it up with whatever, with, with the fees and the delays and it is what it is and, you know, whatnot. Most people want mediators out of their life. They want therapists out of their life. They want guardian items out of their life. They want attorneys out of their life. They want the judges out of their life and they want DOR out of their life. You know, they, they, they're like, look, you know, you may not have been the best wife or you may not have been the best husband, doesn't mean you're not a great father, but you know what? <laughs> let's let's come together and let's try to then figure this piece out. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's how then child support is paid. And then, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, as you say. Absolutely. I mean, the, there are so many ins and outs to all of this that never would have occurred to me, you know, and I'm you know, of course I'm not a parent and I'm not going through a divorce, but a lot of these things are so key that we're talking through so that, you know, as I've been saying, parties can be extremely prepared, knowing numbers, knowing documentation, maybe having made some internal decisions about some things that they can then bring to the table and make their time efficient because mediators are, I mean, I know that you're paid by the hours that the yeah. case for all mediators. Yeah. Okay. So, so the less time you can spend negotiating these things, the better. 
Um, so I'm really glad to have, to have talked through all of this and gosh, I love your stories and examples. It paints a picture so well that makes so much sense and hopefully gives our, our party some understanding as to kind of what they're walking into um, in this case, as they're approaching a, a paternity agreement. And, and as we were talking, Sydney, you know, regardless if this is a paternity agreement or a divorce, this section is, 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 is all the same, you know, as long as there's kids, you know, uh, I had mediation uh, the other day or, you know, yesterday um, where they had no kids. Okay, great. This entire section has gone. We're just dealing yeah. with <laughs> equitable distribution, alimony, yeah. attorney's fees, not even dealing with the parenting plan and child support. Yeah. And so that's, that's where we're going to now be going in the next couple of episodes is we're going to move into, okay, so well, outside of the child issues, is there anything else that they need to know about a paternity agreement? And we'll address that. And then we're going to talk about all the ins and outs of what, you know, when, when it comes to a divorce with or without kids, what's everything else look like? And we're going to deal with that in some future episodes. So that should be fun, right? Yes, looking forward to it. I'm, I'm downloading all this information, as I'm sure our listeners are, and uh, looking forward to the next conversation, Matthew. Occasionally, Sydney and I will be releasing Q&A bonus episodes where we will answer your questions and give you a personal shout out. If you have a comment or question regarding anything that we discuss, email us at info at iChatMediation.com. That's info at iChat, I-C-H-A-T, mediation.com and stay tuned to hear your shout out and have your question answered here on the show for more information about my services or to schedule your mediation with me either in person or using my iChat mediation virtual platform built by Cisco communications visit me online at imediateinc.com call me at 561-262-9121 toll free at 877-822-1479 or email me at mbrickman at iChatMediation.com.